Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Amen. Well, how's everybody doing? It's so good to be with you. I'm so excited. You're watching online. Thanks for joining us today. Well, we are in for a little treat today, a big treat today. Uh, Christy's going to be staying up here with me this whole time, and we're going to be doing this sermon together, all right? So that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. So are you ready to preach, Christy Don? Yeah, I am. <laughs> She's ready. Are you? are you ready? Am I ready? Yeah. Always ready. In season, out of season, every season. Come on. Come on. All right. So before we get into this, I just have to pause for just a second. Um, this month in December, Christy and I are celebrating 20 years of wedded bliss. And it's so amazing. How, how's it's, 20, how 20 years been good for you? It's been amazing. And that's good. But I think it's funny to think about, you know, we, we got married when we were 21. I know. Can you guys relate? We were uh, babies having yeah. babies. You know what I mean? It's kind of yeah. crazy. Never mind. Um, we were young, yes, and so, which means we're still young today, which I'm very thankful for. But I, I just want to say this, I am, as we celebrate 20, I just re- reflect on the fact that Christy and I get to do ministry together. And I know all of you know this, but Christy um, has been such a big piece of the heart of this church from the day one in terms of what we do, how we do it, the things we do. And I'm so grateful to be a husband to a woman that cares so much about the Lord, cares so much about his church, cares so much about you. And uh, she's constantly pushing me and making me better. And so she really is um, just a special, special person. And, and honey, I love you. I love you, honey. Me too. Yeah, so this is good. This is going to be fun. So we've done this a couple times, but we don't get to do it often. And I really wanted Christy to speak during the Advent season because I feel like she has a lot to say during the season. And just, it's one of the, just in this season? <laughs> she has a lot to say in every season. <laughs> Uh, is what I meant to say. This is my good one. She has a lot to say all the time, but she has a lot of good things to say in Advent because um, I I think over the last number of years, it's just become something she's leaned into personally just to kind of allow this time of year to become another way to just elevate Jesus, make him the centerpiece of all that we do. And what I love especially is that she's always inviting people into the things that she does. And a few years ago, she wanted to do an Advent devotional and she said, maybe I should do this with some other people. And, and she said, I don't know how to do it just in a simple way. So she put it out on social media. Anybody want to do this Advent devotional with me? And we'll just kind of like do it virtually together. And like, I think it was three or four years ago you did this. And the first year was like 18 people said, yeah, I want to do it with her. And then she did it again last year and it was like 30. And this year over 50 people are doing this Advent Where are my people study at? with her. Yeah, doing over 50 people doing this Advent study, but I'm just like, I can't get 50 people to show up to anything, but whatever. Um, but she, she, get, she, she has this heart to just say, hey, this is something God's doing in me and I don't need to be an expert about it, but why don't you just come along in the journey with me? And that's always been inspiring to me that she just invites people into the things God's doing in her life. And, and that's why I wanted her to speak in this particular month with me in this idea of Advent, because as we lean into this series, The Way of Life, it's about the ways of Jesus, because Jesus came and he, he, he taught and he embodied a particular way of life in which he wanted us to, to take on our own selves and to say, this is the way we're gonna live, the ways that Jesus said. 
And so when we're looking at Advent and these themes of love and joy and peace and, 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 and all those things like that and hope, it, it, it's, it's, it's an embodiment of the ways of Jesus that we can not only experience personally, but we can live out in our everyday life. And so this morning, what we want to do is we want to kind of take what we feel like is kind of the primary theme of Advent. And so today's message is titled, Quietly Waiting. And we are, um, like I said, in, in this series, we're week 14, and we want to lean into the primary practice of Advent, which is waiting, which when I say waiting, another way to say that is patience. When I say waiting and patience, another way to say that is trust. Another way to say waiting and patience and trust is to say peace, because if you want peace in your life, you're going to have to trust in the seasons in which you are called to wait patiently on God. And so this morning, um, we're just going to jump into this. Lamentations 3, this is a place to begin. Uh, Lamentations is, I know everybody has memorized, but just follow me for a second. (laughs) Lamentations 3, verse 25. It says, the Lord is good to those who wait for him. To the soul who seeks him, it is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. That's a good word. He's good for those who wait on, wait on him. Everyone say wait. wait. How many of you guys are good at waiting in life? <laughs> Literally nobody's hands went up. Nobody gets a kick out of just a good long wait, right? Like how many of you guys, like it's more like we get frustrated, we get impatient. How many have an impatience problem? Anybody with me on that? Yeah, a lot of us are impatient, right? Like we can, uh, we cannot do too well in traffic jams, right? Raise your hand if you've ever thought about road rage, right? You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about? How many, how many of you um, would say, I know most of us would say we're impatient people. We're impatient people, no matter if it's a long line, if it's a slow internet, right? If, if, it's, if it's being put on hold, who likes to call someone and or call our bank or our phone company and then they don't even say hello. They say, please hold. And you're like, I pay the bills around here. I'll tell you to hold. No, no, I'm saying, sorry. Nothing worse than that, right? We're an impatient people. Parents in the room, have you ever lost your patience, right? I mean, we can go on and on. Did you raise your hand? I did. Oh. I wasn't going to say anything, but, you know. But I love you. I'm, I literally am so impatient that I won't order anything on Amazon that isn't prime. You know what I mean? I'm like, I ain't going to... I don't need to do your four or five business days to order my batteries. You know what I mean? Unless it's not going to happen. Like, I know it's $4 more for Prime, but let's do it. Because I can't wait for my batteries. So even church, right? How many of you guys are with me? You can't, it's just, you get a little impatient having to wait a whole week to do this again. Raise your hand if you're with me on that. Come on. Those of you that weren't raising your hand. I see you, and I'm hurt. All right, I'm done. So we clearly have a hard time waiting, uh, being patient. You know, as I think about this whole coronavirus season or whatever we want to call it, I have a hard time putting a label on it, as I think most of us probably do, but um, we've been waiting on it to be over or waiting for it to be the end, right? And that's so funny because I laugh when I think about you know, back in the spring when someone said, I don't know who it was even that said, go get two weeks of groceries and stay in your house and come out. And when, when, when you're done, like we were acting like it was going to be over, right? Like that is so hilarious, right? Here we are nine months later. Um, I just think it's funny. 
Yeah, I think that's funny, funny for us. <laughs> no, we thought that. And like we're kind of saying the same thing now. When 2021 is or when 2020 is over, everything's going to be fine. And then when I found out that after spring break, my kids were going to be off another two weeks, this was before I found out they weren't actually ever going back to school. Um, I was, in, I remember I was, I was in the front of the church lobby, Leslie was with me, and I just had this emotional, physical breakdown. Like, I started crying, sweating, my stomach was hurting. I had all kinds of things going on, and it wasn't because I didn't want them to be with me or because I didn't love them, but I had never experienced anything like this before. Like, what am I supposed to do? for two weeks with my kids. <laughs> Joke's yeah. on me. Yeah. yeah, We're just best friends now. Um, yeah. And I think like, at first I did do this, but I think I've, you know, if I would have just clinched, I felt like if I just clinched my fists and closed my eyes and hold, hold on long enough, it'll be over. Mm. And I could have just decided to suffer through it. Um, and that's my human response. And I know that many of you have had that same response and it's easy to go in and out of that. But um, when I get quiet and rest before the Lord and listen to him, I'm able to see all the really, really good gifts that he's given in this season, right? Yeah. Like we have a senior daughter, Emily. She was up here singing today. And yeah, she's amazing. I think about the gift that God has given me in the time that we've had together. I mean, before this, she was running around, buried up in homework, um, you know, and that's a natural progression of life. So that was good. And I'm sure that sometimes she wishes it were more that way, but for us, it's been a gift. Um, and in addition to that, he's been able to speak to her about the direction for her future without having the world speak into it, which is amazing. That's an amazing gift. He's made our kids best friends. He's given us family time and he's developed new gifts in us, each of us that have been able to bring glory to him. And I'm so thankful for that. And so, you know, I just think the world wants to distract us into believing that there's nothing that's good about this and that as soon as it's over, whatever that means, that things might be able to happen again that are good. And I don't know about you, but I'm just tired of all the 2020 jokes that take glory away from the Lord. Like, he, his promises have not been canceled. He's still, <laughs> he's still good, and he still wants to do good things. And I think that... Um, we just need to be still and wait on him. Yeah. So, yeah. so in the message version, Matthew 7, 13 through 14, it says, don't look for shortcuts to God. The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. Don't fall for that stuff. Even though crowds of people do, the way to life and to God is vigorous and requires total attention, right? <laughs> <laughs> That was Jesus, not Christy. Yeah, you guys are making me feel good, though. Um, I love it because it speaks, that verse, like, always really speaks to me, especially the way it's written, because it speaks so well to our humanness, and that we're just so quick to find whatever it is the most comfortable, easiest thing to make us feel better about whatever situation we're in, you know, whether it's Netflix and comfort food. I mean, mm -hmm. what was up with the rationing, like, yeast and toilet paper being, I, I still don't get that, but you know, everyone wanted to make bread and hey, you need toilet paper and bread. Yeah. And on. so we just run to those things. Um, and we take it into our own hands, but then eventually we start to feel the weight of anxiety and worry. Mm -hmm. Um, but God says, no, his way is not the way of the world. And he instead wants us to give our total attention to him and to wait on him so that he can give us good gifts. Um, and we have to guard our hearts from the world 
speaking into us uh, and any voice that offers, you know, like a quick fix um, and just wait on the Lord. He's always got the best. His plan's always the best. And the payoff is always better. It says in Isaiah 30, 15, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. I love that. So we want to make this idea of waiting practical. Like how do you wait? And even in the practical sort of rational way to approach waiting, we have to understand something that it's countercultural to do this. And anything that's countercultural is going to be transformational because even, even though those of us in here uh, would like to think that we've adopted all the ways of Jesus, we have a lot of ways of the world in us, right? And those are the, there's a countercultural way that Jesus wants to put in us, and that's going to transform us. And so we want to talk about the countercultural slash transformational uh, ways of Jesus. That, and we're going to kind of do this in a really simple way. We're going to put two columns on the screen. On this side, we over here, we have what we're going to call our ways. And on this side are his ways. And these our ways represent the cultural norms. Um, the, and honestly, I want to call these our cultural obsessions. We're obsessed with these things. And these things greatly hinder us from being people who can naturally wait on anything, much less God, right? And so this might not apply to all of us, but in most situations and for most of us, we deal with this. So let's start with our ways over here on this side of the the screen. Number one, we are nonstop people. We live on the go. So these are the, these are, these are our ways, by the way. Uh, Our culture is obsessed with going and this is, this is pretty obvious. Uh, We absolutely love the things that are nonstop, right? We love our 24 hour fast food restaurants. We love our convenience stores. We love the nonstop flights, right? Like who wants to do an extra stop in Charlotte? Right? Like, no, I need the non-stopper. You know what I'm saying? I need my all-night gyms. I need, I, need it. I need everything at any time I want it is when I want it because we need to keep going. We live on the go. We work on the go. We eat on the go. We call people on the go. And whenever we're going, we're like, what, did, what do I need to do next to keep going? Because anytime we stop going, we wonder what's wrong with us. And so then there's these moments in which when we stop, we get guilt all comes on us because we don't know what to do because we're supposed to be going. And so our mind starts thinking, what do I need to do now so I can get going again? All right, all right, all right. So here's the thing. Nonstop, nonstop though, doesn't mean that you're busy. <laughs> this is what's so interesting is some of us aren't even busy, but we still adopt nonstop ways because you don't even know what you're supposed to be doing, but there's always something to do. There's always a show to watch. There's always a place to go. There's always something to buy. And so whenever there's a place, we don't know how to intentionally stop. So even if we aren't busy, we keep going. And so we are a nonstop people. We just keep going. Anytime Christy and I don't have anything to do, we go, man, we don't have anything to do tonight. So we get busy thinking about, well, what are we going to do tomorrow? We better start thinking about that because there's just too much space right now. And so we fill it with something else. Number two is that we are noisy people. We love to mask everything with noise, don't we? Um, I wish you guys could come to our house any weeknight, uh, right after dinner, there's something about food that gets our kids just really going. Like, I don't know what it is, but just <laughs> feed them. Us. And yeah. yeah. And the noise level is just off the charts. And a lot of times it's, I mean, it's always fun. Like it's a lot of fun, but it's very loud. And it's a mix between like some opera show tunes, uh, yelling, 
uh, talking, singing, dancing, whatever. Alexa's always involved. <laughs> and it's good, but it's loud. Yeah. And I think they're really just trying to mask us saying, hey, it's time to clear the table. It's time to wash the dishes. They don't hear that. Wash the noise out, yeah. Um, and it's interesting because as people, even when we're trying to rest, like Tim said, we're trying to, uh, we have to have noise. Mm-hmm. Like how many of you guys have to go to sleep with a sound machine or music or TV mm-hmm. or um, something like that? Have you ever walked into a store that doesn't have music in the background? That's really super awkward, right? Yeah. Um, They're going to go out of business soon. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Churches that don't have music, I mean, bless their heart. That's really hard. Um, where am I? Sorry. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. It's also funny how everything now that we have has a Bluetooth speaker in it. Like, why? How did we get there? You know, I was at this store with my kids not that long ago, the girls, and we, were, we saw this water bottle that had a Bluetooth speaker in it. And I'm like, why? Why do we need that? Because it's awesome. Yeah. I, I don't understand why everything has to have music coming out of it now. Because we need it. <laughs> um, yeah. So earlier we talked about shortcuts in Matthew 7, uh, 13 through 14. And, you know, this reminded me, like, have you ever had, uh, you know, you've been in the car on a road trip and you're like, when are we going to get there? When are we going to get there? Are we there yet? You know, and it reminded me of a time that we were on a trip to Colorado. We go there to see family a lot and we always take the same route. It's the quicker, easier, faster way. And this time we decided to take the slower, more scenic route. And uh, the views were so beautiful. I just remember them so well in my mind and my memory. Um, And the drive was not easier, it wasn't quicker. Um, And we haven't taken that drive since. (laughs) But I I remember it so well, it was so beautiful. And uh, I I mentioned this to the kids the other day. They were like, what? I don't remember that. And they're, you know, but it was memorable for Tim and I. And of course we haven't taken that route since because we're obsessed with getting home faster. Even if getting home doesn't mean anything. Um, we're just obsessed with taking shortcuts, um, easier ways, faster ways, getting to the next place. Um, and you know, this doesn't even, this doesn't always just impact the surface things of life or the things that we're trying to rush through. It it goes deeper. Um, it also affects the much bigger areas of life where we need to really learn self-control and, uh, you know, we're just such instant gratification beings and our timeline isn't the Lord's. Yeah, so that third one is that we're impatient people, right? We look for shortcuts. And even whenever the journey's better, taking the long way home, we'll, we'll, throw the, we'll throw out the journey for the shortcut. So our ways, <clears throat> the norms of our society, these cultural obsessions, we are a nonstop, noisy, impatient people. And the ways of Jesus, they come against this in a way that is, like I said, countercultural. He wants to give you a counterway to something that he believes is robbing you of the life that he wants to give you. And so he comes and he gives these other ways and he brings a new way of life that's better. And these counterways, they come against the obsessions, of course. And the scriptures, not just Jesus, but the scriptures throughout the entirety of the Bible, they actually teach and demonstrate something different. Um, the first one that you see really from the very beginning of the scripture is this idea, the, the counter, if you will, to nonstop is this idea of being still. And the counter to, 
to, to the non-stop and ways of being still is this ability to stop and turn to God. And, you know, the scriptures are over and over again affirm this, uh, this practice of getting still, stopping, waiting on God, uh, waiting on him to move instead of you trying to make it happen. And so just real quickly, the being still is the practice of stopping activity or efforts, meaning your own efforts, in order to turn to God. It's real simple. It's a declaration of our trust in him. So one more time, the being still is just simply, it's a practice. It's a spiritual practice of stopping activity and our own efforts in order to turn to God and declare our trust in him. So this practice thing of being still, it's actually, it's actually hard whenever you realize you're the one that needs it. It's really easy to see someone else in their life and you realize, man, you're like, they need to stop. They're just going way too fast. They're out of control. You ever, you ever seen that to someone else, someone you love, and you're like, oh my gosh, they're just, they're just making it worse. Please stop. Slow down. Can you listen to the Lord for just a minute because you're just making mistake after mistake, and it's so easy to see in someone else's life. But what if you're the one that needs to stop? What if you're the one that needs to be still? It becomes more difficult. I love the story in Exodus 14. Uh, most of us know the story, you might not know the reference, but it's Moses leading the people out of Egypt. And he's leading them out, um, um, and the Pharaoh, Egyptian Pharaoh, gets a little upset that he's let his people go. And so he decides he's going to go chase them down and bring them back. Well, the people of God have come up, come up to a pretty important moment. They are standing at the shore of the Red Sea. And behind them is the Egyptian army bearing down on them. And so they're kind of pinned, and they have this moment that is pretty dramatic, probably full of a lot of fear. And they think we got to do something. You know, we need to like pick up some rocks. We need to get ready. But read, let me, I'm read what it says in Exodus 14, verse 13. It says, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Everyone say, be still. be still. So in the next verse, the Lord does something amazing, right? He does his work and, and he parts the Red Sea, like the waters literally part, right? This amazing moment. And we think a lot of times that we are supposed to be the ones to go and do the work, but sometimes the most important work that you'll ever do is allowing God to do the work. And so that is our work of sometimes, at times, being still. There's times that God will call us, right, into the fray, that God will call us into the fight. But there are so many times that he will say, will you just be still? Will you just stop? You're making everything worse. <laughs> Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And the Passion Translation says it this way, be silent and stop your striving and you will see that I am God. I am the God above all the nations and I will be exalted throughout the whole earth. I love that line, right? Be silent and stop your striving and you will see that I am God. When we live on the go and we struggle to stop and be still, you guys understand we'll ultimately miss God. We'll become distracted, hurried people who only think about ourselves and our agendas and our needs and our wants, and we'll literally blur by God, missing the very things that he wants to give us, impart to us, 
and do through us. And number two is being quiet. This is at the very center of what we want you to hear today. Everything and everyone in life is telling you to turn up the volume, to speak louder, to speak your mind, to raise your voice, to go ahead and make that social media post. <laughs> and people are trying to tell you this, uh, but often, very often the Lord says, go ahead and be still and be quiet. And it's in the quiet you will hear from me, and you will find your answers, and you will find your peace, and you will find your strength. I love the story in 1 Kings 19. You might be familiar with this one as well, but Elijah, the prophet Elijah, he's on the run, and people are trying to kill him. Everybody's trying to kill him. And the last thing you want to do when someone's trying to kill you, by the way, is be still. <laughs> it's okay. You can move at that moment. So he moves. He runs. He actually runs a long ways, and he gets way out in the wilderness, way out in the desert, and uh, he's on this mountain or near this mountain. And, and then finally God says, I want you to stop now. There's a time that you need to stop. And he says, I actually want you to go out, and I want to meet you uh, in your presence. And so this is what it says in, in First uh, Kings 19, verse 11. It says, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore through the mountains and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. So after all the noise, which by the way, God was not in the noise, was he? After all the noise comes the sound of a gentle whisper. You know, it's, it's impossible to hear a gentle whisper unless you're quiet, unless you're still before the Lord. You know, most of us are quick to speak and slow to listen, but the Bible says to be quick to listen and slow to speak. We prefer noise to quiet. We prefer distraction to vulnerability. So the encouragement today is, what if you found time to get still and to be quiet with God? And I do believe that many of us need this more than we realize. We think someone else needs it, but it's actually us that need it. And when I say quiet, I'm not talking about a, you know, a lonely day on the couch watching TV. I'm not talking about clearing your schedule for the weekend so you can get everything organized around the house, <laughs> which is what most of us do when we want to get quiet. I'm talking about intentional time with the Lord for an extended period of time in which you say, Lord, I just want to stand in your presence. Because perhaps God is saying, I want you to stop all of your, you know, nonstop, noisy, impatient ways. And I want you to go stand out in my presence so I can gently whisper to you. Amen. This is essentially the purpose of what we would call the spiritual practice of solitude. This is a spiritual practice that's been done for centuries upon centuries about, I mean, Jesus practiced it and Christians ever since his, his time have done it as well and finding time to get alone and get quiet and get still with God. And so let me just read a scripture, or Chrissy read it actually, or excuse me, a quote from a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by a guy named Pete Scazzaro. I've used this book a number of times, but check out these words from him. Dallas Willard called silence and solitude the two most radical disciplines of the Christian life. Solitude is the practice of being absent from people and things to attend to God. 
Silence is the practice of quieting every inner and outer voice to attend to God. Henry Nouwen said that without solitude, it is almost impossible to live a spiritual life. These are probably the most challenging and least practiced disciplines among Christians today. We live in a world of noise and distractions. Most of us fear silence, and studies say that the average person can only bear 15 seconds of silence. Most of us fear silence. You know, solitude is the spiritual practice, uh, yes, of getting alone and getting quiet and being silent. But it's the spiritual practice of saying, God, I'm going to put you in front of everything else in life. It's I'm coming to attend to you, God. I'm coming to hear from you. I don't need you to hear from me anymore. You've heard enough. I need, you, I need to hear from you, Father. We, we love to talk to God. We don't like to listen to him, though. <laughs> Most of us fear silence. Sometimes knowing that we need it for ourselves is the most difficult part of the journey. Because our culture is obsessed with our ways, not his ways. So let's move to this third way, the last one that we're going to talk about today. In this culture, we, you know, we have this being still, being quiet, and this, this third one is being patient, which is obviously the counter to impatience. So this isn't, this isn't that complicated, but this is one of the great attributes of God, his patience. 1 Corinthians 13.4 says, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. This is an incredible description of what love is, and it begins with love is patient. Isn't that interesting? When defined, patience means waiting without complaint or waiting in discomfort. Mm. Another way to say it would be to endure discomfort without complaining. Wow, that's good. Doing this causes us to have to exercise self-control, humility, mercy, and generosity. The opposite of this shows that we're only interested in putting ourselves first. This just really got to me because every time I lose my patience, it shows me I'm only thinking of myself and how whatever it is that I'm trying to rush through in that moment is going to affect me. It doesn't take into consideration the other person or their situation or the long-term effect of my actions. Mm. And frustration can easily develop when we're waiting on the Lord because we don't know how long we're going to be waiting. We don't know what we're waiting on. And so sometimes it, it causes us to ask ourselves questions like, is it worth waiting? Should I take action? And there's no guarantee that our prayers are going to be answered the way that we want them to be answered. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we often like to quote Psalm 37, 4, where it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. But God hasn't promised that our desires will be fulfilled the way that we want them to be. Mm-hmm. He's just promised that if we align our hearts with him yeah. in the waiting, that he will bring our desires in line with his will for our lives. Yes. And again, that's a really good gift, right? So the thought is, what if you disrupted the norm, right? 
um, these, these normal behaviors, these cultural obsessions. You know, we've been pressing into this vision um, to go and practice the ways of Jesus. We've been doing that for a number of months now through this whole series, The Way of Life. Like, what if we actually lived the way Jesus taught us to live? What if we lived the ways of Jesus? And there is some things that we have to remember in this. A, that there's no shortcuts to the kingdom of God. There's only his way. There's no man-made ways to the kingdom. There's only his way. There's no easygoing formulas or me first ways that will ever experience the fullness of life. It's only his way that leads to true life. But yet we keep staying in this cycle of our ways versus his ways. In the very first Sunday of this series, we says, his ways are greater than my ways. We have to believe that. And there is a thought or tendency, I think, anytime I give a message or we talk about, you know, hey, you need to get stuck, you, you need to pray more, you need to get quiet, you need to be still, you need to, you know, you know, be patient. There's a tendency to think that, yeah, what am I supposed to do? Just kind of be the spiritual hermit? Like, you know what I mean? Like, this feels like kind of a boring way to do life. You know, there's not a lot of action to it. And, and here's what I know is that I, I do believe that as Christ followers, we are called to to not only be people of action, but people who are full of purpose and full of conviction and full of boldness and courage. And we're supposed to be people who are full of, of all sorts of activity in this world that is changing the world. So, so the idea that we are supposed to just be still and do nothing can feel kind of, uh, you know, a little bit confusing whenever we're also saying, hey, yeah, let's go also go charge into the world with the gospel with, and armed with the love and truth of, of Jesus. How do we do both? And here, here's what I want to say is, I'll just put this on screen because I do believe that along with being still, being quiet and being patient, um, that this, this act of life is possible. But listen to this. Our best vision, productivity, purpose, adventure, and the things we do in life will come by passionately practicing the spirit-led ways of Jesus, of being still, quiet, and waiting patiently on him. Because when we humbly seek him, he'll lead us in the way of life. And so when I say that, it's, it's like, well, yeah, but listen, the things that we do in life, the action, the adventure, the, the, the purpose, our way, our ways of life must draw from the wells we must draw from the wells of the gentle whispers that we get from God. And if we never get quiet and we never stop and we never get still, we'll never hear the whisper and we'll never, we'll never be able to actually go and do the things that God wants us to do. So then all of that courage and all of that action and all of that boldness is in vain. It's all what we wanna do, not necessarily what he wants to do. So when I think about some of the big breakthroughs and moments of our life, a lot of it has to do with times of solitude. Um, times where we, we just had to wait on something longer than we thought we should. Or Early on in our marriage, Christy would get, a look, she would brace herself though for these moments of solitude that, that I would have because a lot of times I would go away for like maybe study or school that I was doing and I would be away for a couple weeks or 
a couple uh, a couple days at a time and she was always kind of bracing herself for for me to come home because me having all that alone time meant that I was going to get quiet and I was probably going to hear something from the Lord and I was going to come home and be like the Lord said <laughs> you know what I mean and I would come home and I'd have this big thing that I needed to say and that was probably going to change our life she always braced herself for that moment and it did happen a few times but now Christy and I we don't brace ourselves for the breakthrough moments we long for them we want the transformation. We want the change because we want to see the more of the Lord in our life. We believe God wants to do great things, not only in this church, but in this city. And, and, and we just know that we have to be willing to wait on him no matter how long it takes. So maybe the question for you today is, what are you waiting on and how are you doing it? We love to answer the question, what I'm waiting for God on, but I'm going to ask you, how are you doing it? Are you getting still? Are you being quiet? Are you being patient? Last week um, on Monday night, we celebrated the first week of Advent with our kids. And, um, you know, they started talking about how excited they were for Christmas. And they're just like normal kids, you know, where they really probably look forward to opening gifts more than anything. But they started talking about the tradition that some families have to open a gift on Christmas Eve. And our kids were about 50-50 on it, but one of our more mature kids said, you know, I really don't think that I would want to do that. I like waiting for it all for Christmas morning. It makes so much more fun. It's so much better. Um, she said, I wouldn't want to ruin even one surprise because it would take away from the whole experience the next day. You know, that's kind of like a good, a really good thought for us to have because sometimes the waiting is hard and it's longer than we could ever imagine. Um, but if we're patient in the waiting and we give the Lord our total attention, he promises always something much better than what we could ever imagine or pull off on our own if we try to do it ourselves every time. Listen, God always has a gift for those who are willing to wait. The very first verse we read out of Lamentation said, God is good to those who wait on the Lord. This morning we thought it would be a powerful practice to get quiet together. You know, in a, in a setting like this, it would be difficult to say, hey, let's go have some solitude right now, all in the same room for the next hour. Most of you would be like, uh, I don't know about that. So we thought, well, we could maybe take a baby step, right? Like, what if we were just completely quiet for 90 seconds or so and just say, Lord, we wanna wait on you today. We wanna turn our attention to you with no agenda, no prayer requests, no, no asks, just we wanna sit in your presence and be quiet. We wanna be still. And before we do that, um, our greatest encouragement today is this, is that we want you to do this on your own. We want you to disrupt the norm and of your nonstop, of our nonstop, noisy, impatient ways of life. And we want you to take on the yoke of Jesus, right? The yoke of Jesus that practices times of being still before God and getting quiet and listening to his whispers and patiently waiting on God through the challenges we face in life, through the suffering that we endure, through the, through the healing that we're seeking, through the breakthrough that we long for, through the relationship that we're waiting on. Because it's in the waiting that you will find your deepest measures of trust. And in that trust, in that trust, you will experience the rich and satisfying peace of God. So what's the thing you're waiting on and how are you doing it? So what we're gonna do in just a moment is, Chrissy's gonna pray in a moment, but um, the piano will stop and we're just gonna have a quiet 
90 seconds or so. And again, no agenda. And then after that moment of quiet, we're gonna, we're gonna worship actually with a new song called Quiet. It was, it was a plan, it was a plan thing. This new song called Quiet and during that song, it's a time of response. You may wanna sit and just remain quiet and just listen to the lyric. You may wanna stand and lift your hands. You may wanna to come to these altars and just bow your knees and pray. But the hope is that you just allow this, this time to be a time with you and the Lord. So we want you to disrupt your norm, maybe this week, maybe this month, maybe multiple times, and uh, just practice this idea of waiting on Jesus. So let's pray and then just bow your heads and have some quiet. Will you pray with me? Let's go ahead and bow your head. I'm gonna pray one of the oldest prayers in the church and I'm gonna invite his presence. And we just ask, come Holy Spirit, come. We are here, we are waiting, we're still. Come Holy Spirit. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.